hello and welcome to the 46th episode of 20 or 20, a Dominionated podcast. I'm your host, Weedy Mambo. And I'm also your host, Weedy Mambo. And together we interview your favorite Canadian musicians in 20 questions or 20 minutes, whichever comes first. How are you doing, Weezhu? I'm doing all right. How about you? I'm doing pretty okay. I have a song. Wow, not a song. I have a question. I was like, oh, serenade me with this song. (laughs) But he was posting you this question. I have a question to start off the show for you. Okay. So what do you think an anti-patio sunscreen Beach Boy Bachelor Cruise sing-along album sounds like? I have no idea. (laughs) Well, what does it, what would you think it Okay, I like? mean, when you said the anti part, I was starting to think of a dark and brooding, post-hardcore, kind of screamo-esque album, but then, you know, the Beach Boys' Bachelor Cruise kind of made me think of rock and roll, surf rock, you know? Like, the opposite of that yeah, kind of thing? It's, that's, yeah, that's a really interesting contrast. Yeah, but perhaps it's not either of those, and it's just the sound of the Toronto-based band Kiwi Jr., specifically with their 2022 album, Chopper. Ooh. On today's episode, Weezu and I talked to Jeremy, who is the singer and guitarist from Kiwi Jr. And we dive into some pretty spooky things. Yeah, like the Kennedy family and serial killer masks. And even worse, the gentrification of Toronto. I'm already getting chills. Perfect. Kiwi Jr. did say it best, Unspeakable Things. This is Unspeakable Things by Kiwi Jr. And they're 20 or 20.
before, we have a list of 20 questions that we're going to start off by asking you. Um, you either have 20 minutes to answer them or get through the list of 20 questions, whichever comes first. Yeah. Does that sound okay? Yeah, yeah. Okay. First question is going to be an easy one. How did the band get started? Well, I, moved, I went to school in Montreal um, and I had been in bands back on the East Coast in Prince Edward Island where I'm from. And I sort of didn't really do much music in Montreal while I was going to school there. After school, this is so boring, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> After school, I ended up in Toronto. And um, I knew some people from back home who used to be in bands. And I was kind of like, okay, well, I'm done with school. Maybe I'll start a new band. And so Bro and the drummer of, the, of Kiwi Jr. and I um, started playing together. And mainly as an excuse just to like drink beer and do something fun. Uh, yeah, and then like seven years later, I'm doing like a bunch of Zoom interviews about it, <laughs> and it's really it's really weird. But that's the initial um, genesis of the group, I guess. It's just just uh, you know we're friends from a long time ago and started a new band in our late 20s slash early 30s, which is a little bit of a weird thing to do, but that's what happened. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of people start bands when they're in their early 20s almost, or younger than that, maybe. I don't know. I feel like high the, school. I don't know. High school, I don't know. But um, Well, there's a lot of like, the college band thing. Everyone starts them in college. Mm-hmm. Did you have any like bands you were in yeah. before, or was that the first one? Oh, no. So like I'd been in a bunch of bands. Yeah. Broen had been in a bunch of bands, and Mike had been in bands, like, but none of us had played together. But we, like you know, our old bit groups had played together um, on similar bills and done a little bit of touring together um, in years past. But we found ourselves looking for something new to do. So I don't know. Um, yeah, you know, it, it is weird. You spend your like late. You know, I think my first gig was, like, I was, like, 15 or something, starting a high school band that was doing, like, we did one show that had some, like, Blink-182 covers and, like, a System of a Down cover, maybe a White Stripes cover. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I've, I've been in a bunch of bands since then, playing with different people. Um, this is the longest one, though. And it, yeah. Well, onwards and upwards. Yeah. yeah. Man, I gotta start zooming through these questions. If oh time. my god, you're right. <laughs> like, how many minutes are already? Yeah, okay. The next one. Um, before settling on the name Kiwi Jr., did you guys have other contenders that were um, choices? And what were they? Well, the band name was Kiwi. And that was started um, before we had even played together. It was like, do you want to start a band we're going to call it Kiwi? Uh, and then we played a little bit around town, and then we had a we had a show in New York City, and uh, the promoter was like, you know, I tried to Google your band, and there's a thousand other bands called Kiwi. We were on a train in New York City, and we were like, yeah, we gotta change the name. And we we're like, let's just add Junior to it, like Dinosaur Junior did, because we didn't think the band was going to amount to anything, so it just like haphazardly happened. So yeah, it was Kiwi from the get go, though. Okay. And the third one is, so there are a lot of references to the city of Toronto throughout um, the album, just sprinkled in there, like the in the song Contract Killers, where you ha- where you mention Joe Schuster Way, um, or even like the title Downtown Area Blues. 
And a lot of them sort of have a hint of like disillusionment with like Toronto and the city. Um, Have you found that's how you generally feel towards Toronto? There's just so many cranes and like, (laughs) it's just like not such a fun place as it was maybe like 10 years ago. And I'm sure that it was a lot more fun 20, 30 years ago. Um, it's definitely lost a lot of its character, even in the last, like, since I've only been here, like, 10, 15 years. It's, it's, um, man alive. It's just, like, Ford brother after Ford brother, just scrape and paint, scrape and paint away. Yeah, not the, not the coolest place to be right now, I think. It's trending downward. Is there, uh... Something you miss the most about the way that the city used to be? I mean, whenever I think about me, like, missing the way Toronto... I think um, of Honest Ed's. I always think of Honest Ed's. Yeah. yeah. It's, like, the biggest thing that I miss about the city. I mean, that's a good one, and I didn't even, like, shop there or anything, but that's, like, a... That's pretty emblematic of just the general trend of, of how things seem to be going here. Like, man, you look at photos from, like, the 80s of Young Street, 70s of Young Street... And it looks like, it almost looks cooler than like classic photos of New York and stuff like that. Um, and then you go there now and it's just fucking, yeah, everything looks like it's just been boiled. And <laughs> I don't know, it's not great. Yeah. Just from a visual standpoint, let alone an economic standpoint. It's ugly, it's all reflection. Yeah. I don't want to see my face in the glass. I know I want brick. <laughs> yeah. Um. And you guys are going on tour to the UK and France soon, which is definitely a big change of scenery from the city of Toronto. So uh, is there something that you're looking forward to the most about going over there? Or have you already been on tour in the UK? We've played the UK before, yeah. We've played London before, and that's the only stop that we're making on this trip. We had such a great time promoting our first record like two, three years ago, whenever that was. I'm just looking forward to get back, getting back there. It seems like people there are more into guitar music than they than people here are. Um, seems to be more popular and it gets played on the radio and stuff. So our audiences were great last time we went. Um, and this time, you know, I've never been to France or Belgium or Germany or any of these other places. So I'm just excited to go, you know, just as a guy, <laughs> like not as a band guy, but yeah. I just want to, I'm just curious to see this these places because I've never been. Before. Yeah, I mean, this is going kind of back to like, the album specifically more but like um i don't know why i thought of this when you're like considering the fact of like you're going abroad too but do you consider yourself more of a night owl like an early bird or i guess even like what do you consider nighttime because i know you have to deal with like jet lag but is like a 3 a.m nighttime for you and 9 p.m especially because the album is dealing with those things oh yeah i go to bed so late way too late <laughs> 4 a.m is that no, is this the middle that of the day for you is... right now <laughs> like i think i went to bed at three last night and i knew i was in trouble but yeah, I it's tough for me to get to bed before midnight, and it's tough for me to like get up early too. But that that's just me personally. But I can get up for like a flight if I have to, things like that. Yeah. Um, also, just the way the album is kind of described, or you guys mentioned that it's kind of like taking a streetcar home at two a.m. And I was curious, is that something that you find yourself doing often? Is the subway even open at two a.m.? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> not recently no I don't find myself doing that at all but I, I feel like when I said that um, there's a certain feeling though 
um, that that's kind of a translatable um, vibe that you get, you know, that people can relate to. Um, no, I haven't been doing that recently at all, but I remember doing it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. What was the most interesting thing you, you witnessed on the subway or streetcar? Oh, I don't know. I have this dog, uh, like a big kind of golden retriever looking dog. He sat right next to me right now. And uh, we take him on the streetcar. And one time they, um, it was really busy and uh, they stopped the streetcar and the driver walked all the way to the back because my dog was on a seat, like he was sat like a person on the seat, and the driver was just like, get your dog off the seat. And then like walked all the way back and the entire streetcar was looking at us and they st he like literally had to like start it again. Oh my God. <laughs> <get going. laughs> I would have gotten off the streetcar. I'd be like too embarrassed. I wouldn't have said. I know, yeah. I don't remember where I was going, but I think <laughs> I think I had to get there. And also kind of a little bit more into the idea um, of just kind of the feeling that the album has um, with like either nighttime, but also there's a lot of movies that you guys reference to when it comes to the album. And I'm not a film bro or I don't, I mean, I do watch, I think, a good amount of movies, but I'm definitely not the best with the references. But if you could uh, think of any movie that would encapsulate the feeling of the album, what would it be? Well, that's interesting. Um... What's interesting about that is I feel like um, a lot of the movies and um, even actors that you know I'm pulling from uh, to put on this record aren't specifically things that really suit the vibe of the album. You know, like there's yeah. a song called The, the Sound, Sound of Music, music right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, there's a bit about um, Judy Garland Museum in Grand Rapids. Um, and The Wizard of Oz is definitely not something that really fits the vibe but I was listening to this podcast about um, this theft that occurred from the Judy Garland Museum in Grand Rapids uh, where they stole the ruby slippers from the museum and the town had this big upheaval or went through this big upheaval and it was like a whodunit like searching people's feet uh, it, well it like gets into like um, the local mob <laughs> was involved no. in all this stuff. Oh my goodness. Um, and so I was really into that podcast and I was like, I gotta fit Judy Garland and the Ruby Red Slippers into the record somewhere. But to answer your question, I don't know, maybe like um, the talented Mr. Ripley, I'm gonna say, that's got s sort of like a danger, spooky vibe to it. It's got this like fake pseudo European tourist vibe that maybe that record sort of leans into a little bit yeah. too. Yeah. I think like bridging off of that too. There's a lot of I don't know, like I saw like a description that of where you guys had written that the a lot of the songs kind of sound like a sting of insomnia, corrupt mares, uh Kennedy curses, sex tapes, like that kind of gives you this image of conspiracy theories. So do you have any favorite conspiracy theories that you like to? Well, other than the Judy Garland one, because no, I... It's not a conspiracy <laughs> Okay, well, it seems like, like it's... Okay, whole, yeah. I don't know. Wait, like actual conspiracy theories? Like actual conspiracies. Oh my gosh. If you believe in them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you said it, but like we, we have a song, Kennedy Curse. Um, and when you go through the history of the Kennedys, like... Even just if you're scrolling through Wikipedia, you don't have to read a book or anything. It's pretty wild, like, 
the amount of tragedy and yeah his sister too combined right? oh yeah the whole lot of them and, and even you go back to joe kennedy that you know there's the amount of influence met with and power met with the amount of tragedy in short lives is pretty remarkable so i don't know if there's a con- you know i don't really buy into any particular conspiracy but i read this great book by elmore leonard um about the kennedy assassination i can't remember what it's called right now i have it somewhere can't see it from here but anyway he's got a good take on on who shot kennedy oh i am very intrigued <laughs> oh, no. um but yeah jumping off that too uh i like how the idea of like the chopper as being um like this bird's eye view on all of these big events and even just like the shooting of kennedy is reminds me of another one too but is there uh any event that's ever happened that has just been one that replays in your mind uh i guess in your lifetime that's you know stuck with you just like historical newsworthy event or maybe like your own personal okay. yeah, i guess <laughs> you have like one that you ruminate on day and night and you yeah, like bad. a big event in your life <laughs> or a big event Do in you know what's really weird i don't know how old you guys are i'm not going to speculate but <laughs> i very clearly remember 9-11 and like where i was and what happened oh my gosh and and like i remember the whole day and like i remember going like it was obviously crazy at school and stuff because it happened in the morning but after school my dad took me to like a sports store and i was like shopping for shoes and i remember the guy or like you know like sneaker like running shoes and i remember the guy working at the sneaker store just like trying to talk to my dad and I about what was going on and I was like what is happening here yeah it was wild um I can definitely tell you the only way I, I know where I was for 9-11 is because my parents told me that I think that's like <laughs> yeah, yeah the closest that I, I've gotten I'll to ever it. get to it yeah I was in grade eight <laughs> <laughs> I was not in the country <laughs> but I guess uh going back a little bit to I mean, not 11, like, everyone got kind of panicked and, like, had fears of everything. And, I mean, do you have any, like, speculation of how you'll die in the future? <laughs> I don't know if, it's, if you think of, it's going to be, like, a big... Well, I don't want to get too specific, but something I think about all the time... I don't I don't drive. I don't have a car. <clears throat> I don't own a car or anything. But um, anytime that I'm, like, riding shotgun on the highway, there's, like, a truck that passes me that's just got, like, a bunch of, like, corrugated rebar on it stacked <laughs> very insecurely i always think that a big like log or a piece of metal or something is going to fly off of a truck and just completely destroy me in the car behind I it no i was listening to the radio and this lady was talking about how um this family the father was in the car and then the truck was ahead of them and then it wasn't the thing wasn't secured properly it came flying straight out of the straight off the truck and through his windshield and killed him instantly and like every time we drive behind a truck i am always like terrified that something's gonna fly off the truck and come straight into the windshield there's this um (laughs) there's a really great instagram account maybe i shouldn't be promoting it i don't know Um, (laughs) but it's called i don't feel safe in egypt and it's this guy or girl who just posts all these like really dangerous looking loaded trucks in Egypt just with like you know all these things stacked on the back and 
lots of stuff like that. I th- and I follow that account. So I think about that from time to time. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any fears of losing limbs? Or is it just like purely dying? No, I don't really think about losing limbs. I think about like losing my head or like something like that. But Decapitated. Yeah, that's the big one you got to worry about. <laughs> um, it kind of also, I was thinking about just like becoming decapitated and having someone like I mean I always imagine you can only become decapitated with someone chainsawing your head off with something <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in the music video it was uh, in the music video unspeakable things you guys are wearing those masks and right. they definitely look like the serial killer are you gonna say, you gonna say <laughs> <I> Jason <laughs> like, no it's like literally the white hockey mask or I don't know what the, the goalie masks or something and yeah. Um, well, like a horror film. That's what yeah, you, exactly. Okay. And so I was curious, how did that even come to be? Well, we're actually referencing a different movie, which is uh, 1995's Michael Mann movie Heat, where characters rob a bank and they wear the uh, wear the the Jason Voorhees Friday the Thirteenth hockey mask while they're oh robbing a Brinks truck or a bank or something. Um, so that's where that came from. We weren't really actually thinking of the of the horror side of it until like okay. we started getting a lot of weird looks and stuff, and then realized like that's most people's touchstone for that mask, not necessarily the movie Heat. Um, yeah, that's as soon as I saw the mask, I was like, this is so creepy already. <laughs> yeah. And I think we are almost done. We have time for one last question. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask, I mean, I was, I should have asked this earlier if you sleep with music or you sleep in silence, but since I didn't ask, I'm going to just assume you would eventually play music at night. Um, if you could think of one Canadian album that you would play at life, at night, an album, a singer, a musician, I don't know, band, what would it be? Well, okay. Um, huh. I want, okay, I'm, I want to do a good job at this. Let me think for a second. Okay, I'm going to say... Um, the album by Destroyer called This Night, which is a very nighttime album. It's not one of his better known ones, but I really like that one. I mean, Destroyer is a good pick. I haven't listened to that album specifically, but I like Destroyer. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and that's uh, time. Thank you to Jeremy for joining us on today's 20 or 20 episode. Support Dominionated with Press Play and support Canadian music. Right on. <laughs>